Load, you pig fucker, load. <laughs> I haven't heard you pig fucker as an insult in a long time. I know, I felt like it needs to, uh, it needs to come back. Are you bringing it back? I'm bringing it back, I'm bringing pig fucker back. Uh, uh. <laughs> oh, well, we don't need to talk shit much longer than because we've already got the bumper. Oh, fantastic, excellent. <laughs> I'm so glad that that is our bumper. <laughs> How could it not be? You said pig fucker. Welcome to Dangerously Unprepared. I am Simon. Jack and Rob are off leading the adventuring lifestyle, but with me is Kyrie. Hooray! It's just like the old days. It is just like the old days. Again, uh, just like the Wrestle Boys episode, which was on a couple of episodes ago. Oh, so, no, it was. Uh, right. You can't, you can't imagine that I like remember what episodes were when. Well, especially considering we recorded that well over a year ago. Which Fuck. is why we were, I'm not sure if it was that episode or the episode before, in which we were uh, confirming that James Gunn would be directing Guardians of the Galaxy 3, which we probably ought to address. <laughs> oh, yeah. He yeah. might not be. Um, <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean, he, he might. They he might. might. There's, a, there's, a lot of, there's a lot of backlash. Yeah. Have you seen the open letter from the cast? I haven't, actually. Uh, signed by all of the primary Guardians. Um, uh, basically saying, you know, we've been working with James for years. Uh, we know him as a person. We're not trying to defend the old tweets, but then he's not trying to defend the old tweets. Yeah. Uh, and basically saying, yes, it's fine to have a call-out culture where you, you know, hold people to account for the shit they do, but that doesn't work if you don't also allow for people to grow and learn and change. Yeah, the, the entire point of calling someone out is to go, you need to change your uh, behavior on this. And from what I can tell, and this is, again, this is only from the perspective as of the 1st of August, 2018. Yeah. So if more things come out, like don't, don't look back at this and blame us. But like, sure. from what I can tell, he has changed his behavior compared to, to what it was. So yes. like, yeah, the, the tweets date from a time when he was barely out of trauma. I mean, and trauma exists to be shocking. Like yeah. that's its whole deal, and I, I think he acknowledged that that was his mindset. Was shocking is the most important thing, and he no longer believes that, as far as I, I can tell, according to everyone who works with him. Also, I can't believe it's taken me this long. I now just realised why I knew James Gunn's name before Romeo and Juliet. Yeah, like yeah. holy shit! I, I, I mean, wow. do you not remember me saying when he was first announced to do Guardians? I was like, what the Romeo and Juliet guy? Holy shit! Right, if the announcement for Guardians of the Galaxy 3 was so far back in, in history <laughs> that I have completely forgotten it, then the announcement for Guardians of the Galaxy 1 may as well have happened in a different iteration of Earth. I Yeah, I grant you that. That's fair. Um, but yeah, like on that same note, like it's exactly right. Like The, the call-out culture should basically be to make sure that people fix their behaviours. Yes. That's, and Otherwise, there's no point. Otherwise, it's just being angry at everyone all the time. Which, you know what, sometimes getting angry is fine. We're not going to tell people don't get angry. Yeah, yeah, but, but it's like, just anger with no end game. Yeah, be constructive with it. Yes. And most, mostly what I like that's come out of it is uh, the um, someone doing the mashup thing that was basically just, 
the headline, uh, you know, Disney uh, fires uh, James Gunn, well, you know, removes James Gunn from directorship of uh, Guardians of the Galaxy 3 over controversial old tweets. And then underneath it's just a screenshot of a tweet by James Gunn saying, I actually prefer The Hobbit to Lord of the Rings. I think it's, I think it's the previous, uh, I think it's the... Um, the best depiction the, of Middle the, Earth. The, yeah, the best Middle Earth trilogy. Yeah. I'm like, what? <laughs> I also saw a wonderful one. Uh, Disney, publishers of Song of the South, fire James Gunn for <laughs> offensive old tweets. Yeah. 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 <laughs> And yeah, as Phil has said in the chat room, Roseanne is a good counterpoint because I was listening to another podcast called Trends Like These where they talk about stuff that's just going on and trending, which is sort of what we do for the first half of any given episode. Yeah. Um, where they were talking about uh, the difference between calling out someone like James Gunn who has learned and grown and it's what we're talking about is something that happened almost a decade ago. Mm. And the difference between that and calling out Roseanne who is currently and ongoingly racist. That's a difference. Yeah. I've just, uh, I've just upped my volume as well, because according to the chat, I'm a little quieter. Oh, so shit, I, just... I upped your volume at this end as well. So now you're oh. just... No, you're fine. You're absolutely fine. Now I'm just a tsunami of voice. You should actually be pretty well balanced with me now. Oh, fantastic. I've never been well balanced before. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, you're well balanced compared to me, so make of that what you will. Hooray! <laughs> So is there anything else we wanted to cover before we got into the main meat of the show? I mean, what else, what else has gone on in, in, the, uh, in the universe? There's this so week? many things. I, I don't know, but also well, a lot. In, in the last two weeks, I guess, because I wasn't around for the last, uh, the last episode. No. And in fact, the last episode that we recorded will not... Well, that sorry, Jack and I recorded will not be the last episode that people have heard, because unfortunately the last recording was... If you were there watching it at twitch.tv slash dangerously unprepared, then you experienced it, but uh, otherwise you won't, because Jesus Christ, that audio was fucked up. I, I uh, cannot use that. To, to all the people that may or may not have been worried that uh, our output would become less uh, digitally problematic <laughs> when, we, when we had the rebrand and everything like that, uh, take this as your, uh, you know, as a nice little bit of security that no we are still the same podcast yes very much so i mean we may be doing things a little bit differently with the whole live broadcasting on twitch.tv slash dangerously unprepared um i just love going into pitch man voice for that do, do, you, want to do, do you want to do it again twitch.tv slash dangerously unprepared oh it's good isn't it it's, ooh, it's just so satisfying uh but we are still dangerously unprepared and we still fuck it up on a regular basis don't you worry <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, um, I mean, it's, it's come up in the chat. It's basically going to be the subject of the thing. And since it's only the two of us, yeah, I say only the two of us, it, it's, it's, it's the two best hosts. It is the, the OGs. Absolutely. <laughs> I'm secure in that. They're not, no one, the other two aren't going to listen to this episode. It's fine. Well, and they're definitely not the OGs. That's, that's true. They're the, the, um, uh, ooh, what's a, what's a good term for the, like the, uh, ooh. UGs, unoriginal gangsters. Oh, shit, yes. Oh, is that what OG stands for? Oh, yes. Oh, cool. Oh, my God. Um, I mean, not that I, we are both too white to assume <laughs> any knowledge of hip-hop culture, but yes. I mean, this reminds me of our whole thing of the uh, the very middle-class white explanations of hip-hop lyrics, which was a suggested show topic after I, we I, were talking about Three the Hard Way. I mean, we could absolutely do that. It's we just could. a... 
a, a spin-off uh, section of each episode. <laughs> just as a little, every now and again. A little like, you know addition how, at the end, just yeah, a little you know, two-minute like thing. Every now and again, like on a, an Animaniacs episode, they do a time for another good idea and bad idea. Yes. Like that. I don't know why I said that in McCree's voice. That was a bit weird. <laughs> um, but A man has needs. That's but such an inside knees. joke. That's such an inside joke. You're not on the inside of it. I don't know why I said it. Yeah. Do you want to explain <laughs> that or would that make it less funny because it's an inside joke? I don't know. Uh, but basically it's just mocking one of my friends I play Overwatch with for how thirsty for McCree she is. I mean, in a way, we're Aren't all we thirsty all? for yes. McCree. <laughs> I, I, do, I do love that there's an artist I follow on Tumblr who, who really, really likes McCree. And it's just like, I love McCree. And, it, you know, we're all thirsty for McCree, but I, he is very ugly. And it, I'm just like, <laughs> this is a fascinating, like, trip through psychology here. Yeah, but if the fan artists will go the full Rule 34 route with a hamster, McCree's not going to get ignored. You know what? I've not I've not seen the Hammond Rule 34. It took less work. than a day. Yeah, but if I don't see it, then I can just pretend it didn't happen. That's true. So, you know. Hammond and Winston. Because they oh, grew up yeah. together. No, 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 <laughs> no, it's okay. It's, it's almost like uh, incest because they grew up together. They're like family. That's and also that's, a gorilla and a hamster. That's delightful. We're going to lose all of our <laughs> listeners. I hope you, hope you realize that. Or gain a few. Like I, we I, might change the demographic of the listener, admittedly, but I'm not entirely sure I'd be comfortable having that demographic. All right, but you can't really get salty about talking about that kind of fan art when we just came from Amacon. <laughs> all right, yes, but I mean there's. There's a difference between Amicon and saying, we get a whole new demographic of listeners at Dangerous Unprepared. What are they? Hamster fuckers. <laughs> or gorilla fuckers. Or gorilla fuckers, yes, exactly. I mean, it's very important to make that distinction. Anyway. This is not the show I was expecting to do tonight. So, um, This is not the show I was expecting to ever do. No. So, yeah, as I was saying, Kyrie and I are now, like, two days out from Amicon, a fan-run anime convention in the UK. Uh, and... Sort of the big cons versus small cons is in our list of topics, and we have talked about conventions before on this show, but I thought, given that it's just the two of us, and that I think we're both barely recovered, we would, oh, yeah. we would talk about Amacom, because it's, it's an interesting example of the difference between the, the big con, which I think, if you're listening to this show, there's a very real chance you are familiar with the concept of the, the big event-run convention, whether it be San Diego Comic-Con, whether it be Star Wars Celebration, E3, or any of those sort of big events. Or uh, in, in this country, what have we got? We've got MCM. MCM uh, would be yeah. the main one, uh, but also like Eurogamer. Oh, yes, yeah. Um, and and then there's the, the fan-run convention, which is very different in that it is organized and run by people just like you and me, and that is truer in the case of Kyrie than it is of me. Uh, because it is literally people like you. It, it is me. You are on that, the committee. And, and, and others, yeah. And others, like Six, your partner, who is two it, different members of the committee. Yeah. And previously Jenna, um, yes. also known as Mrs. Irish, who has also been involved in the committee of AME. So it's very much in the Dangerously Unprepared family, this one. 
So don't don't look at this episode as a, a shameless plug or anything. No, no, not at all. Because it's, I mean, what for? There isn't an AMA next year. So what are we plugging? We're plugging AMA twenty twenty. Oh yeah, of course. Yeah. Which, to be fair, I'm just saying, based on our current time out, <laughs> might actually be in about three weeks' time, based on when this episode comes out. <laughs> yes. So I know. will try and get this one out before AMA twenty twenty uh, <laughs> opens. Which isn't which isn't a read on you. It's just man, we have some shit. Yeah, luck. yeah, we do. <laughs> um. But yes, Amicon 2020, and also just in gen- general, like big con versus little con, because I haven't done a big convention in... You you were at the last London Expo I went to. Yeah, that was a long time ago. I've done several big cons since then. Yeah. Um, but I, I think rather than doing the big con versus little con, like I think people know about the big con, and I don't think they're interesting. Like You've probably watched a lot of coverage from San Diego or something. And there's about a million like shows on on Netflix or on YouTube that are just about sci-fi conventions or yeah. gaming conventions yeah, and that quite. sort of stuff. You know, an inside view. So I think it's more interesting to talk about AMA specifically because we both have extremely recent memory of it, and yes. it is a, a prime example of a fan-run con. Uh, yeah. I think AMA Chibi was a prime example of a fan-run uh, con with windows uh, falling out of the hotel and walls the, falling the- over and. Oh, I see. I often, I often mention like we we don't talk about the Britannia Hotel in I Nottingham, do. especially since I saw the headline um, recently. Traffickers yes. set up pop up brothel in the Britannia Hotel. That hotel has been condemned. I think since <laughs> since we left. I fucking um, hope so. It should have been while we were there. It was not yeah. a safe place to be. This was it not where wasn't. we were this weekend. To clarify, no, or no. I think we'd still be traumatized. Oh, trust me, there's still plenty of trauma to go around with the venue, but uh, I basically what what I really need is I need six on hand, I think, to basically just like throw some kind of um, like big warning flag in the air every time I come close to saying something libelous. Because <laughs> I'm on the committee, so I, I'm party to all sorts of information about the, the backstage running of things that I'm not sure whether I'm allowed to like, oh, well, say. I mean, don't. Don't talk about that side of things. Like, oh no, no, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna try not to. But I'm gonna, if, if I stumble onto like complaining about anyone or anything in particular, <laughs> it, it might come out. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'll, I will try and keep that under cover and just talk about, you know, just convent the, the convention itself. We'll talk about it more from the conceptual point of view of the running of it, and from yes. the point of view of attending, because that's something we can both talk about with confidence. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> so Ame is held. On the campus of Warwick University, and Ame was held on the campus university campus. The, yes, the, yes, the University of Warwick. Yeah, uh, has been for the last couple of times I've been there, and yeah. and it's not the only con that has been run there. Kitacon also famously ran there. Yeah, uh, so basically, uh, back back in back in today, uh, the the first convention that sort of ran. I don't know if it's necessarily the first convention, but the most famous convention to have run there was uh, was IACON, which no longer sort of runs. I, I believe it's still technically not dissolved as a convention; it just doesn't run anymore. Um, and they used to run there, uh, and then Amicon decided to run there because it's it's a great venue. It's it's got everything you need. Yeah, people are familiar with it, and it, it's quite popular. So we decided to run there, and then Kidacon also decided to run there. So it, <laughs> it, for the summer con, it just seems to have been it is the venue because traditionally um, these kind of things are often run in a hotel that is used uh, that has conference facilities, mm. or uh, in this case, a university that has conference facilities. Uh, something that 
you know anyone can hire because that's sort of how these things go. You get a number of people to sign up, which gives you a budget. You can therefore hire facilities and and throw a convention. Exactly. Um, and it's depending on the size of your convention, there are certain options available to you. So um, something that Kidicon found, because Kidicon used to run at the Novotel in Birmingham near the, uh, near the airport, near the NEC and all that. And as numbers of attendees went up, it started to become more and more uh, expensive to basically just book out the venue because I don't know if you've, I don't know if you've been to a convention at the Novotel. I've not so been to been, a convention at the Novotel, but I have been to yeah. hotel cons. Yeah. And it's, it's an expensive venue. The, the, the running joke for that one was you go to order a drink at the bar and they sort of take your wallet and weigh it on a set of scales before they give you your drink. Yeah. That was very similar to my experience with Nine Worlds, which is also oh. run in a hotel with conference facilities. And that, that's a London that's hotel. That's a London hotel. The bar was, well, it was first of all, 20 minutes queuing. And, mm. and then when you got there, uh, you needed medical attention to deal with the shock of what you were paying. Yeah. Um, whereas a, a campus is definitely cheaper on the on it's a student union, basically. so that helps exactly, <laughs> definitely. Um, and for those of us that like to have a, a couple of drinks at a convention, that's that's great. Um, the the issue it comes in when you have to from from the running side of things comes in when you have to start looking at um, accommodation for your attendees. So when you book out something like a campus venue. They essentially say, "Oh, okay, you can you can have this room and this room and this room for running your stuff, but you have to promise that you will sell this many uh, that you will have this many rooms booked for the convention. Um, and if you don't, then like so, so they they say you have to sell say eight hundred rooms for people to stay in. And you say fine, okay, but the point is if you don't." sell that many rooms to your attendees, then the committee has to pay for the excess number of yeah, rooms. Because the the convention, the committee, has committed to buying a certain number of rooms. And therefore exactly. they have to sell, hopefully, that number of rooms. These are the deals you make. It's the same with the hotel conferences. You know, you yeah. are doing a deal that you will provide a certain amount of guaranteed business. Uh in exchange for whatever deal you're brokering. Because sometimes there are um preferential rates for attendees that sort of thing especially if you get more i mean the the usual thing being the more rooms you you promise you will be able to to book out the more venue space you'll be able to have although given this year's issues which we'll get into later on yeah i think it's better um, if i talk about those not you because then it's yes. not liable but yeah. uh <laughs> well, a, a, lot, a lot of this i'm basically what i'm basing my what i can talk about on is from the feedback panel we had on the sunday of amicon so that is now yep. in the general that's public uh, domain that's public domain knowledge, so I'm, I'm happy talking about that. And a lot of that is what I can talk about with that, but we'll, we'll, we'll come on to that later. Um, so, yeah, like it, there are risks that come with it. You can either have cost risks or you have uh, responsibility risks in terms of how much you have to pay for as a convention and how much you think your attendees are going to go for. Yes, because um, you're, you're negotiating with the host because you don't just want accommodation, obviously. You want rooms in which to run events. So to yeah. give you a sense of what we're talking about, uh, Amacon this year provided a traditional games room, which is a room with a lot of chairs and tables in which a lot of board games and roleplay games were run, which is where I may have had the most fun of the convention because that's totally my jam. Excellent. A video games room, which is a similar thing, but with lots of consoles and uh, computers in, and also some DDR machines, a rock band machine, a PSVR this year I noticed, which was pretty cool. Yeah. And then, of course, you have your panel rooms, because 
a lot of what drives this convention is attendees who are also giving panels. They are sharing their areas of passion or expertise. So this ranges from our friend Leah talking about uh, the research she's been doing into fandom demographics. Uh, and I believe that panel is up on YouTube. I believe uh, it is, because she promised me it would be. So I yeah, hope it is. I would thor- thoroughly recommend to all our listeners who are, who are interested in uh, specifically anime conventions and that sort of stuff. Um, to definitely go and give that a go because I I, I saw it at uh, Manamicon uh, this last March and it is is a fascinating little bit of if you if you're if you're nerdy like me and you love your your demographics and you like looking at figures of how things have changed over the years and all this stuff it mm. is it's excellent it's really really I interesting. will try and pop it in the show notes if I can a find it and b remember so it won't yep. be in the show notes but I'm going to say <laughs> in the show that I would put it in the show notes uh, so. You have those kind of panels, or indeed the uh, match game, which was an experience. Uh, yeah, it was. That was uh, that was a whole lot of cringe, but it was a lot of fun. You also need the big event rooms. So you've got the theatre for the opening ceremony, the closing ceremony, the ball, um, and of course, the uh, in this case, the Goose Nest, a slightly smaller theatre for events such as the charity auction, which was auctioneered yes. by an in- incredibly charismatic Moira cosplayer. Who, uh, I know she was lovely, wasn't she? She was lovely, and and she was extremely good at manipulating the crowd into giving more and more money into charity. I have to admire that <laughs> that voracious auctioneering style. It was Kyrie, I, in case anyone is wondering. Yeah, I, lo- I love this stroking of my ego. Yeah. It's fantastic. <laughs> uh, but it's not just the panel rooms. You also need um, facilities for the people running the con. Uh, famously, of course. Anyone who has a problem is told, take it up with ops, the operations yes. room where the committee sit and make sure everything doesn't catch fire. Or, uh, in the case of Ame Chibi, cry as it does catch fire. <laughs> only one thing <laughs> caught fire in Ame Chibi. Okay, we only one thing issue. caught fire. I mean, a window fell out, a wall fell down, but only one thing caught fire. That's true. Yes. And the, the window falling out did very, very nearly land on the former chairperson <laughs> of the convention. Yeah, missed by about five feet, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. Um, so, yeah, who, who I, I just like to say, I don't, I don't even know if he's going to hear this, but uh, thank you very much, Will, because he actually gave us a lift to the train station after this Amicon. <laughs> um, so, yeah, and, and you are negotiating with the venue that you want to use all these spaces. And of course, there's yeah. a fee. Uh, and you negotiate that fee, you offset the amount of guaranteed business you can do them against that. And that's the, the sort of the hideous economics of actually trying to run something like this. Yeah, and it's it's why sort of I, I I it boggles the mind that I look back at uh, a couple of years ago at just how many conventions there were in the UK. Like I'm just looking, going, how did everyone start up? I I just don't understand where the starting point is because there's such a massive amount of money that has to be spent up front. Yeah, it's that initial things. investment is staggering because you have to do the deal before you sell the accommodation. Yeah, I mean I'm I'm going to a convention in November uh, this year, Hibanacon. Um, and it's their second one. And I was like, so you started in 2017. That's uh, how, how did you start? <laughs> and it's a hotel con as well. Like, um, it's, that's a, that's a slightly smaller one than, than the other ones, but it's, it's yeah. I mean, I mean, there are ways around it. There are ingenious con runners who, who avoid a lot of these problems, such as the, uh, organizers of Tokonatsu, whose venue is a field. Yeah. Uh, it's a, it's a camp scout ground in, Scout campground, sorry, in uh, oh, somewhere somewhere in Cambridgeshire. Um, 
I, sh- I should know because I'm like former subcommittee of that convention as well. Which solves a lot Although, of problems because you've yeah. got a field. And it's, that one is very, very interesting because it, it styles itself more as a festival than a, uh, a convention. So um, it's, it's all camping. You take your tent. You don't have to worry about accommodation because you just bring your own tent or you get uh, a, a, a festival tent provided for you if you pay a little uh, surcharge on your ticket. Um, food is all supplied for you, but of course you can bring your own, bring your own booze. Um, and it, it's really nice because it has this big roaring campfire at the center of everything. And it, because it models itself more on a festival and because it's, a, it's more of a, a celebration of Japanese culture rather than just anime, um, as the sun goes down on like the, on the uh, Saturday night, they open up everything into a, into a matsuri. So there's like uh, stalls with all the traditional games and stuff on it and um, people in traditional costume and everything and, and doing all like tying charms to a tree and all that sort of stuff. So it's, it's, it's very much a sort of very, very weeby thing, but uh, <laughs> it's, it's just really kind of nice to just have this nice relaxing atmosphere. Well, yeah, I mean, that's the point of the fan run convention is that it is a gathering of like minds, like the people running it are doing it for the love of it. They are not doing it to get rich. Because uh, yeah. you oh, ain't going to get rich running one of these cons. Um, we are. St- I mean, I know Ame and Kitter, and I think basically every fan run convention is not for profit. We we don't make any money out of it. I'm pretty sure most fan run conventions run at a loss. Not necessarily a huge one, but I'm pretty sure they all spend more than they make. Yeah, I mean, a lot of the issue comes into it with we. Most conventions haven't really upped their prices very much in the last 10, 15 years. Mm, and inflation has. Inflation has gone up, but ticket prices generally stand, tend to have gone from about £40 in 2010 to, I think we're about 55 now? Yeah, yeah. Um, so they've they've gone up, but they've, they've really not gone up by as much as they, they could have done. And if you look at, say, um, MCM in London... For a full weekend with no accommodation, I don't know what you're sort of paying for that. Uh, a lot. It's, it's a lot, yeah. I, I was going to say, that is the difference between the big conventions. They are run for profit. They, yes. That is a company looking to make money. And a fan con is a group of people looking to provide entertainment. Yeah. And, and that's why you tend to have a much more chill experience at a fan con. If you go to a big convention, like I've... I've done loads. Like back in the day, I did E3. I've done Eurogamer a, a lot. Mm. I've done the MCMs. I've done Star Wars Celebration. And if you're not like maximizing your attendance, you're doing it wrong. You are looking at the list of events you want to do, the stalls you want to buy from, the deals you want to make, and you are hitting one, two, three because you paid a fuck ton of money to be there. And that's the point. Yeah. But at a fan convention, I didn't do a lot of events i have to admit i didn't even bother going to the opening or closing ceremony because that was going to be an incredibly hot room yes yes it was thousands of people imagine being under the under the spotlights yeah well yeah. God, and only um but and they were streamed on youtube so who gave a fuck exactly. um i sat like either in my room or in the bar and a, a lot of amacon let's face it is spent sitting on the steps uh socializing yeah because you see a lot of the same people every time and it's a good chance to just descend into one place with all these people that you have a shared passion with, sit around, get drunk and have a dumb fun time. And the panels are great. If if there's one or two you want to go and see that will 
enhance your experience, but it's a very different feel. It's much more about the community than anything else. And and from a from a from a panel perspective, this is quite interesting things because I figured I would have less time this convention as as part of the committee, but I was actually at more panels this <laughs> because convention. you were helping run them because I was help I was in them for for a lot yeah. of so like rather than just spend my time just in the bar, um, which is, we joke often is is Kyrie's office at a convention. Um, I was at panels and getting to see see people and get getting to you know communicate with other people within the committee within the um, the attendees within the convention. Which was a lot of fun, just like seeing all these different people coming and going and, and getting to meet new people and like, ah, it's fantastic. Um, so yeah, like if you want to go to, you know, if the panel takes your interest, you get to go and do it. If, if there's nothing particularly going on, you can just chill. You can go and find some friends and sit down and talk. I mean, if you, if you are there with other people that you know, great. Otherwise, it's a great chance to uh, meet people because you have something in common already. Um, and you know that you're not all just, you know, spending money. You're not, again, as you said, in that rush to go and spend money, spend your time to make your money's worth. Um, yes, exactly. You're, you're all just there to have a good time. And I mean, I met some great people in the Trad Games Room. That's a really good, the video games room and Trad Games Room are really good ways to meet people. Uh, the traditional games room, obviously, you're going to be sitting down playing a board game with people or a role playing game, which is a fantastic way to meet people. And uh, for example, the GM who ran the Shadowrun Anarchy game I'm in, mm. he is a podcaster himself. I now listen to his podcast because he's a very charismatic, very entertaining, interesting dude. Neoncaster, if you want to check him out. Is that, um, uh, is that Chris? That's uh, Nathan. Nathan, okay, cool. Uh, Nathan, very charismatic uh, dude, who I would describe as the velveteen dream of the GMs. <laughs> oh, oh, I believe I, I believe I know who you mean. Um, yes. To give you a sense, uh, when he came in to run Shadowrun, he was wearing a very dapper suit, cut from cloth whose print was a TV test pattern, and wearing a light-up BDSM chest harness. Uh, that That is his style. Uh, yep. you, you don't not notice Nathan if he's in a room. Absolutely, yes. I do know exactly <laughs> who you're talking about now. Yes. I thought you might, yes. Um, yeah. Um, speaking of actually the, the games room, the, the video games room, what did what did you think of that? And I'll, I'll explain afterwards why I'm asking with such uh, I know interest. why you're asking, because oh, yeah. we already had this conversation. Shit, but, yes, okay. Um, I have to admit, I thought it was a little lighter weight than previous games rooms I've seen. Yep. But I thought the actual selection on offer was fantastic, uh, partly because there was an entire bank of PCs running retro games, which... For anyone who knows the history of World 1 Stage 1 will know the, the idea of seeing system link versions of Doom, Command & Conquer, uh, Unreal Counter Tournament was there, Counter-Strike yeah. 1.6 was there, oh, specifically yeah. 1.6. Yep. Uh, Quake 3, I believe, I also saw, and I think I saw StarCraft as well. Star um, yeah, we definitely had StarCraft on there. Yeah, yeah. That was uh, very appealing. Uh, there was also Smash Brothers Brawl, which, of course, we played, and you won because you are that guy. Uh, uh, well, yeah, some yeah. Street Fighter, some Dead or Alive. There was... Um, DDR machines, but like... DDR machines. Old school DDR machines, Euromix. So, yeah, I mean, it was... And, of course, the most important thing, which we didn't get to use, was two system-linked Steel Battalion Xboxes. Yes, uh, I... I'm trying to remember whether one of those is actually mine or not. I think one of them might be. Yeah. Um, because? Well, yes, this is the thing. Uh, normally at, at our conventions, we have someone who basically brings an entire, like, just crap load of video game stuff with them. Um, but this year was unable to make it. We we found this out very, very, very short notice before the convention. 
Was that a theme of this, Ame? We it found was, out at was. very short notice. And, and I, I've heard that phrase a lot. It, it just was like a perfect storm of fuckery. Yeah. Um, and this is absolutely not this, this person's fault because obviously he was, it, things came up, which I won't go into, but they were basically entirely outside of anyone's control. But it basically meant we were left without any sort of video games, except I think we would have had just a couple of bits and pieces here and there that we could scrounge together. So it's like, right, we need to like invest in getting together a games room. Um, we need to reach out to the community and go, right, this person, do you, would you like to work, like, would you like to help out with this games room? Like, we know you have a lot of stuff. Um, which is where the, the modded uh, guitar hero, a rock band, uh, came into things. Yeah, the heavily modded one, which, like, it's like the step mania of rock bands. Yeah. And I need to find out what it is because I want a heavily modded rock band. Um, so, which is why we had all this sort of interesting new stuff going on. What can we do on a budget? What can we get? Which is why we had a lot of more of the retro games in there. Um, why we, our one sort of big purchase being the, uh, the, the, the VR headset, the, P- the PlayStation VR thing. Which went down really well. Like there was not a moment I went into that room that that was not in use. Yeah. Yeah. We were sort of expecting that was going to go down uh, pretty well. Um, yeah. So like I said, you, you have some issues come up with, with the convention and you try and overcome them. And this yeah. is what I'm talking about. Fan run conventions are not run for profit. The whole, yeah. oh, our games room supplier has dropped out. Rather than cancel the games room, let's buy a games room. Yeah, which that's I, not cheap. Yeah, ideally, it's not the way you want to go with things, <laughs> but there we go. Um, and problems cropping up in the the, the opening few, well, the, the closing weeks before the convention was definitely a theme of this year's Amicon. Yeah, because and this is something I'll probably talk about as an attendee rather than someone on the committee who. Yeah. Um, tell you what, so, if, if you if you want to talk about your experience as an attendee with this, and then I can hopefully sort of. Um, counterpoint with what yeah. it was what happened where and when i mean you got to bear in mind my experience as an attendee is a very understanding attendee yes who is also friends with a bunch of committee people and is aware of the issues but um so a convention will usually hand out at the beginning a, a com bag uh containing you know amongst other things your guide to the event because there's all these panels going on in all these rooms you need to know what they are and when they're running to work out what you want to do and these were not accurate uh this year these were um well one event for example famously was just listed as ian um, (laughs) which became a bit of a meme throughout the event and uh, the reason for this was, uh, and this isn't me sharing inside information, this is me speaking as an attendee, observing that half of Warwick was under construction. Yes. Uh, there were toilets in basically porter cabins uh, held up by scaffolding outside the Goose Nest, which also is a building that I don't remember being there last year. That, that was new. There was, uh, I walked into the art Centre, which is one of the central locations of the con, and I was looking at a wall that I did not anticipate to be a wall, uh, you know, just past the cafe. That yeah. that room used to continue, and now it doesn't. Um, so <laughs> I noticed that the 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 center, the convention area, had changed notably, um, and there was a lot of construction going on. So as rooms were announced to be different to the ones published in the con guide. And as they moved throughout the convention, I was not entirely surprised, but it was definitely an issue of this convention. Yeah. 
Um, and a large portion of that is because currently the, the venue is undergoing what it's called its uh, 2020 uh, refurbishment, whereby they are just basically rebuilding everything from the ground up in a lot of places. Right. Okay, because I keep seeing people referring to Warwick 20 colon 20, and I keep thinking, are they referring to the year 2020 and just putting a colon in it because they're wrong? But that's, that's just that's the name the of their initiative then. Yeah. Okay, that um, makes more sense. Yeah, and so basically... It goes in phases, and the idea was that they would have that particular, I think it's phase two, uh, finished before uh, a couple of weeks ago, so that it would be ready, and all the entire venue would be perfect for when graduation ran, which was on Wednesday. Uh, I know this because I arrived at the venue on Wednesday, went to go and have a look around, and went, oh my god, there's 11 million people here. Whoops. Yeah, um, so <laughs> that was supposed to be done by then. There, that, um, as you might have noticed, overran a little bit. Um, yes, I don't so, think the building works are finished. So we were told, okay, you're going to have this room, this room, this room, and this room as, as per your contract. Great. Wrote up an event list, and we got the event list ready. This is a good month or so before the convention starts. So that's around about the time we would start telling people, okay, you've got your venue room, it's going to be this, you're going to need to be there at this time, and so on. Um, it's at that point that we got communications from the venue saying, oh, um... It, you might not have. You're not going to have this room and this room and this room. Like, oh, uh, okay. We're going to re- rewrite everything then to make sure everything fits in. Uh, and then, like two weeks before the convention, we get. Oh, okay. Um, you are not going to have this room, but you might have this room. Now, if you're running an event for around about seventeen hundred people, <laughs> might isn't great. Might you have to assume is not. Um, I believe it was, I think it was around about two weeks before where we got a thing saying basically, oh, there might be a big wall around the art centre. Like, Which there what, was around part which, of it. Yeah, exactly. Um, it was like, that won't, that shouldn't be there by the time you get here. Uh, and then it was. Um, there was also stuff like uh, finding out on, the, the con ran from Friday to Sunday um, with a lot of people turning up on the Thursday. Uh, we were told on the Wednesday, oh, you can't have the uh, the, the tea shop that we're going to use for running this particular cafe event. Like, the Barra uh, Cafe. Yeah, so that had to be moved, which was made it right next to another venue, which caused a lot of issues with people trying to get from one place to another. So it's like, yeah. luckily, and this is something I can say in, in favour of us, which isn't going to feel too much like ego stroking because I had nothing to do with it. Um, <laughs> luckily, we have a fantastic little app. Uh, I was going to say, this is the beauty of running a fan convention in the modern day, is yeah. throughout the weekend I was getting little notifications on my phone going, this event has moved to this room at this time. And it would just basically just keep people updated. And the amount of times people told me, oh, this, this is fantastic, it's meant that if there's been changes, I know I'm, I'm kept abreast of it. And I'm like, that's fantastic. Go and tell the person that made the app. Because <laughs> all, yes. yeah, all I do Speaking is Speaking as an app developer, please do tell the person who made the app. They will be delighted. Because that really was a game changer for this AMA, was actually being able to keep up to date with those things. Because otherwise I would have been turning up to certain rooms and going, oh, what? When? Where? Oh, God. Okay. Yeah. And, and that was a, a game changer. That was really good. So, yeah, yeah. thank you very much to, to, uh, to Baxman on that one. Um, yeah, so I mean, that was that was a hell of an issue going on. We also had other issues like earlier on, which I'm not going to get into, but in terms of servers crashing and things like that during accommodation bookings and things. Well, that it will be universally true for all yeah. cons ever and all developers. You can never engineer for demand spikes. That's the problem with 
you know, everyone talks about multiplayer games whenever they launch. Like, oh, how come the servers have such a long queue if they're even up on launch day? And it's because if you spend the money to have every single one of your players playing simultaneously over the period of the 48 hours in which your game launches, a week later, people are only playing once a week, twice a week, and you've got a fraction of that player base and you've spent far too much money on your infrastructure. Yeah, You cannot engineer for demand spikes, but unfortunately for something like con registration where you've got couple of thousand people all want to book a room pretty much at the exact same time because they know there's a couple of thousand people who also want to book a room. That's going to go wrong every single time. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it, it was fraught with issues, but at the end of the day, and these, these all came up in the, uh, the feedback panel on the Sunday as well, but generally speaking, I think it went really well. Yeah. From, again, from from my own perspective of mostly running from room to room, getting stuff sorted, I've heard a lot of glowing feedback from people. Um, the criticisms we had were often coupled with, "Oh, have you thought about trying this?" And a lot of the times, though, that those um, ideas were actually really, really helpful. Um, some of yeah. some of them less Best so. Kind but... of criticism is where you offer a potential solution to the problem you're observing. Yeah, and they're probably going to be implemented or at least discussed amongst the committee. Uh, Any time we get feedback, it instantly just goes, right, I'm making a note of this, and I can tell you this for certain because being the secretary, it's literally my job to go, right, what is going on the list to talk about this this uh, meeting? Um, so it's basically just a case of, yeah, all that feedback, I'm really glad I was in on that panel. Now I heard a bunch of very different feedback because I was in a lot of long queues over the yes. weekend, so I heard a lot of people talking about different things. And to be honest, none of it was stuff that the committee could or would do anything about. Yeah. Um, but there, there was the usual con drama. People had shit nicked. Uh, people complaining about people trying to hold orgies in their shared accommodation. Uh, all the normal kind of convention stuff. The sort of stuff you'll hear, and you never know how much of it is entirely true. But I mean, we did, we did have a couple of instances of people saying, "Oh, uh, this has gone missing," and most of the time we were actually able to find it. I do, I do remember it was like sort of finding a key on that last day and just going, "Oh shit!" Pass that to another member of the committee. Can you say that up to ops? Uh, and then later on, as I was leaving the ball, someone came up to me, she saw that I was wearing the red lanyard, but has a key been handed in? I was like, yes, by me. <laughs> uh, like, I, I'm not asking you as a committee member to confirm or deny, but I heard rumours of a significant theft from the dealer room uh, this year. I haven't heard anything in particular. I mean, like I said, uh, that could just be rumours uh, going around the convention goers. But yeah, it, you'll always hear this kind of shit every year. And it, it is entirely, entirely possible. I mean, you get you get seventeen hundred people in one one place, plus venue staff, plus you know this, that, the other, the dealers themselves as well. Um, you get that many people. Not every single one person is going to have all the, their scruples. I was, however, delighted the uh, tradition was upkept this year, which is the accidental over-magnification of Pikachu's face behind Kyrie during the auction. <sighs> My, I turned around and I just like, I saw motion. I was like, that better not have been a fucking Pikachu. <laughs> I don't know why that's happened two years in a row, but it has. Uh, well, I mean, sort of on well, and off two years. Yeah, yeah. Two, two cons consecutively. Yes. It's the, it is, and that's also a trap I keep falling into. Is I keep saying last year when I mean the, the last year that we ran. Yes. So we, we run every other year. Um, yeah. Also, one other thing, like, I actually 
wanted to bring up, and we'll probably chat to you about at greater length off mic when we're in the same place next time. Yes. Uh, I attended a particular event run by a DJ Sixy. Oh, yes, yes, you did. Yeah, which was billed as K-pop cheese. Now, that was not cheese. No. That was, like, I know nothing about K-pop, and I hold my hand up to that. <laughs> I, this is not something I'm familiar with in any way. I was there because it was Rowan. Um, but it was really good, like, and a lot heavier than I expected from the descriptor of K-pop. Like, yes. those were club bangers. Yeah, um, specifically, we, we put Dreamcatcher on there. It was one of my favorite groups, and they are very much a sort of... They're, they're a K-pop group, like, mm. emphasis on pop. Um, but to basically, like, to put it into perspective, when, we, when they first had their debut, um, I'll have to try and see if I can find the video for you, their, like, teaser trailer. Um, Rowan and I were discussing that a lot of people had this, this problem with girl groups of K-pop groups. Like, oh, they only ever have two concepts. They're either, like, cute and girly, or they're all, like, super sexy and all that sort of <laughs> stuff. There's, there's no other concepts. They all just fall into those two things. And then Dreamcatch comes along, and their first couple of music videos uh, were themed around. They had horror themes. It's like, oh, okay, so what they're going to do, like creepy Alice in Wonderland. So your favorite immediately? Yeah. Well, no, no. I thought that's what it's going to be. Like, you know, people said, oh, it's going to be like creepy Alice in Wonderland. Their themes were around like the 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 aesthetics that they drew um, stuff from. Like, quite blatantly, in a lot of cases, were Evil Dead, Blair Witch Project, uh, Poltergeist, The Shining. Uh, yeah, and I can't know what the other one was. Uh, I think it was possibly some Hellraiser in there as well somewhere. <laughs> and with, like, shredding guitars on everything. But it's still, like, an idle pop group. Nice. I, I fucking <laughs> love Dreamcatcher. They're amazing. But it, it prompted an interesting conversation between Zoe and me as we sat listening, where hmm. Zoe was pointing out that there is a not insignificant population of US soldiers in Korea so there is very much a cross-pollination between American culture and Korean there. Yes. In a way yeah. that you won't see in J-pop. Japan's yeah, J-pop culture is, being is, much more insular. It's a, J-pop is still very much a very, its own thing. I mean, K-pop has its own culture and everything, but it, it's a lot more... Cross-pollination, uh, as I said. They, they take outside influence. Accessible. Yes. Yeah. Um, and the reason we called it like the cheese is maybe the wrong word for it, but basically, the generally speaking, when you go to a K-pop party, depending on who's who's running it at, a, at an event, um, generally because of what's most popular, um, there will be a lot more hip hop elements to things, which there were in Sixties set, which I appreciated a great deal. Yeah, there were there were a couple of them, but they generally are what make up the the, the vast majority of a lot of other. Um, uh, set lists, um, just because that's that's just what's more popular. Yeah. Whereas in our case, it was a case of right, what do we like, and what can we make people dance to? <laughs> so there was a lot more um, dance stuff. There was a lot more. Um, there was going to be a lot more sort of novelty songs in there. Um, so that would have been that would have been quite interesting. Um, but we only had an hour set, so yeah. hopefully next next time, if we get a two hour set, there will be some definite cheese in there. And uh, while this isn't strictly relevant, man, there were. A- like two or three people on the dance floor who were fierce fucking dancers during her set. 
Yes, absolutely. Uh, we, we, we had one person who came in and just like, right, I know the point choreo and indeed the entire choreo to every single one of these dances. <laughs> and she, because, because she knows, because uh, she knows six, she just occasionally like would just point at her and just be like, stop it. Cause like we could tell she was getting tired and wanted to stop. <laughs> was but she that would refuse the girl to in red with like the knee high converse? Yes, yeah, that's right. Yeah. I thought so because she stood out as probably the best dancer on the dance floor at that point. Yeah, and yeah, she sort of just kept going for every single song, and I think she just wanted to stop at some point, but would refuse to not <laughs> dance if she knew the song. Like, the only time I actually saw her stop dancing was when one of her friends pointed out that her laces had become untied in a potentially injurious way. Yes. That was the only thing that stopped her, <laughs> and only for as long as it took her to tie her laces. Yeah, and it was, oh, that was such such a lot of fun. It was a great, great set, and we stayed right to the end, so we were able to observe the huge total shift as the next DJ came on. Yeah, that was, <laughs> that, then it went into uh, sort of anime themes and J-pop chill out yeah. after that, I believe. Um, so that was, but that was, that was kind of cool as well, from the little bit I heard, I mean, I was exhausted, so I had to leave afterwards. Yeah, I don't but, blame uh, you. Yeah, um, that was good. That was a really, really good evening. And of course, the other highlight of a con like this is the cosplay. And there's a lot of events around the cosplay. There's cosplay-themed panels. There's Now, I don't entirely know what it is, but is the omake cosplay related as well? The omake isn't um, sort of... It's not entirely cosplay related. Most of the people involved in the omake will have a cosplay on. Uh, the omake for, for is basically... It, I think it just means extra um, and the idea is that it's like a, a talent show of sorts. It's, right, um, so that's more the skits than the masquerade. Yeah, it, some conventions will fuse the two things together. Yes. So they'll have a cosplay masquerade and they'll have skits. Into, like, um, Minami, which is a very, very, very small, cosy con uh, down in Southampton. I mean, that, I think the, the entire attendees, attendance is something like five, six hundred people. Um, does Used to do masquerade and, and skits together and they'd alternate them so that there was something going on in between each one. But I think now what they do is they do all of the masquerade entries and then all of the skits after that. But there is also, Whereas, as I was saying, the masquerade, which is oh, yes, yeah. basically cosplay runway show, which is amazing. And then there's the cosplay ball at the end of the event. And also the people wandering around in cosplay just throughout, obviously. F floor costumes are always always great. But if you want to see the the ones that have all of that extra effort thrown into it, the masquerade is, is fantastic. Yes, that that's where you get the pro-level, oh-my-God shit. Yeah, I, I love those moments where someone comes out in a costume and you can just hear everyone in the audience go, holy shit. Yeah, like, oh, God, was it Ame where someone came out in, like, an articulated, was it Grunt from Mass Effect, and it was just fucking phenomenal? I think it might have been. My, my favourite one, actually, again, comes, comes from Minami, which was... Um, I, I, it was my favorite reaction was because the MC was basically like reading his notes and going, okay, cool, we've got this person, but this one, because obviously if you've got like 20, 30 people in a row, you're not going to remember them all and their character and the series they're coming from off the top of your head. So he's just looking through his notes. And he's like, so next up we have this person as Motor Slave from Bubblegum Crisis. Now, 
And you've seen Bubblegum Crisis, right? I have, yeah. So you, Motor, Motor Slave basically being the motorcycle that turns into a suit of powered armor. Yeah. So he's reading it. It just gets slower as he gets it as Motor Slave <laughs> from Bubblegum Crisis. And then I just saw him look up at the entranceway at the back of the room and went, holy shit! <laughs> as this nine foot tall constructed mecha suit comes wandering <laughs> through, like, what the hell? And it's impossible to ignore the fact that there are cosplayers at events like this because I had a, a fantastic moment where I was trying to get to the traditional games room. Um, but I unfortunately was just behind a cosplayer on the stairs, and this cosplayer was wearing one of the giant armor makes. Um, so he filled the stairway oh. and couldn't articulate his legs. He'd clearly been told to go to Ops to deal with something, yeah. <laughs> and Ops is up two flights of stairs, and he could barely bend his knees. So he took a while to make it up there and I was just oh, stuck behind him he, going oh this is like when you're on the road and someone's driving a house along on the back of a <laughs> lorry no no one told him we had a lift did they oh I don't think he fit in the lift oh okay oh wow yeah. okay like I said he right. filled the stairway width wise there's no way he was getting in the lift wow okay <laughs> okay it was a big um, yeah. big costume some of those costumes are, are phenomenal, especially, at the, again, at the cosplay ball, there were some really, really just beautiful things going on there. Yeah, there um, was, because the cosplay ball, I, I love it. I don't cosplay it because, uh, one, I'm a little bit too intimidated to do cosplay anyway because the talent on show is shocking, even though there are plenty of people cosplaying at every level of yes. uh, from amateur to professional, uh, from enthusiast to professional. Case in point, do you remember again at the cosplay ball? I was Moira, yes. and there was the other, the other Moira in the sort yep. of the beautiful sort of ball gown with the black halo and everything yep. like that. Like I felt terribly intimidated <laughs> there. Yeah, yeah. And but you know what? I had a grand old time. But what I was going to say specifically is the cosplay yep. ball. A lot of people do very custom stuff specifically for that. That is a formal cosplay. So. You will see, as, as you were saying, the Moira ball gown, uh, dancing with Mercy in a ball gown, which was uh, my ship. My ship has sailed. Um, <laughs> Moisey. Moisey. Uh, but there were some, obviously, magical girls lend themselves to formal wear so yeah. well. Uh, there's a lot of talent on show there. Um, but there are also people dressed in an inflatable reptile costume who had with a pulled a waistcoat and a bow tie over the costume before <laughs> inflating it to make him a formal reptile, which was fucking adorable. <laughs> now, officially, the 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 uh, dress code did require sort of for, for you know if you're gonna have that like formal shoes, mm. but I think we let that one slide on account of his inf giant inflatable dinosaur. Feet. I'm glad that one got let slide because I had trainers because I didn't yeah. take any formal wear with me. I think uh, generally speaking, there is supposed to be rules. And the way I look at it is like, if you've got one out of the three, like the whole, like either, a, you know, a, a ball, a ball dress, uh, a shirt and trout and formal shoes. And I was like, ah, if you've got one out of the three, that's fine. <laughs> and certainly as the event goes on, it gets relaxed because the majority of the people in there are impressive enough that one or two con attendees who yeah. are too intimidated to dress up, even in regular formal wear or didn't plan, yeah. you can allow them to slide in and enjoy the event. Yeah. In the last like 20 minutes or so, I was literally just checking badges to make sure everyone was an attendee. Yeah. And then it's like, we're within the last 20 minutes. Just, just go and enjoy yourselves, guys. And then it doesn't matter anyway because it all becomes the rock out. 
Yeah, exactly. <laughs> now, normally what would happen is the ball would turn into the rock. Yeah, edge. and this time it moved to the copper rooms, which are tiny. Why? Why? Yeah. I mean, I know why. Why? But uh, do uh, but do you know? No, why? I don't know why. Actually, I, uh, I know why. Okay. In that the I, the uh, venue was all over the place in terms of room bookings, but I don't know yeah. specifics. Th- this this is one that we knew about a long, 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 long time in advance. Um, and basically, this is this is another problem you'll have when trying to book conventions um, at venues which are used by other um, events. Um, so you have to basically take into account what has gone on at that venue with other events. And I'm not going to name any other uh, events that have run there, um, but basically, uh, Amicon has always had, well, I say it has always had, we've only had one convention there before, but what was the case when we last run was we would have the ball in the Butterworth Hall, and then once the ball was over, the Butterworth Hall would also then become the rockout night, and it just, because it's the best, biggest, best venue. Yes, uh, it's the, the largest space, it's got the best sound system, it's, yeah. Yeah. Now, uh, between then and uh, us booking the venue again, uh, or rather, between us, between then and us negotiating the contract, uh, there was an incident that caused them to basically say, "Right, no one is allowed to have the Butterworth Hall after a certain point in ah. time on an evening um, because it, it's it's no longer it's just no longer on the cards." That's um, fair. I mean, yeah, I, I will say it's generally true of most fan conventions I'm aware of, but people aren't necessarily the best at taking care of their environment. Yes. Uh, Although I will say, I will say at the ball this year, it was absolutely not, it took 40 minutes to get it cleaned up afterwards. That's because it didn't become the rock out. Yeah. I, I partially <laughs> that, but also, also just generally they were just, there was a couple of cups on the floor. That was it. Mm. Well, there were a few people at this AME. Um, I don't know how attached you were to some of the unofficial social groups in like Facebook I've, and stuff. I very specifically uh, removed myself from all of them. Yeah. But there were a few people who were dedicating themselves to becoming an unofficial AME litter patrol, which was really cool. Yeah, just because they really wanted to make sure that we were uh, like they don't the want best of the, the, venue. the possibly deserved reputation of fan cons. To yes. shadow Ame, and there are yeah there are certain certain conventions where that is the case, and Ame has always had quite a good glowing reputation, um, and it is basically just unfortunately that other events. And I'm not going to say whether they were anime conventions or, or gaming conventions. Or no, because we will anything. say that Warwick is actually a conference venue. Like yeah. it's one of the ways they monetize the university is they have really good conference facilities that they lend out to academic conferences to anime cons to anyone who needs convention space and you also which have is, sort of yeah various international events as well going on which is which is great um yeah yeah which hilariously of course means on the day we're leaving uh there's an overlap as people are coming for the next event which seems to be a quite severely um austere academic conference and yes. then there's people running around as kingdom hearts characters uh <laughs> there, there, i think we were double booked as well there was an event going on in the oculus building at the I, same time I, i'm as us. pretty sure we were because there were a lot of people in Normies. the radcliffe where we were who looked very confused yes uh, yeah. and i love this about hotel cons um and similar events where you do have that mixed population of con mm. goers 
and normies uh, because they do tend to steer very clear of the bar that the convention has decided is their bar. Yeah. <laughs> because... they, well, that's the thing. They will either steer very clear of it or they will or, yeah. get very involved. And generally speaking, like I, I, I have personally never had uh, a, a, an issue with a convention goer, like being too drunk or being no. weird. But I don't know some people have, but this is just me. But I have had yeah. issues of, you know, non-convention people. Yeah, normies um, <laughs> being aggressive and weird. And yes, because it, like I said, everyone at the con is there for the shared love. We're all part of this weird little social group. But if you are someone who is surrounded by people who are shared in this weird social group it could be quite intimidating i guess yeah. and and people can react to that in different ways most yeah. people will just avoid uh, and i don't blame them but some people will try and confront which is yeah, yeah, yeah not great yeah the the state of life though yeah you, you get it more often in um, hotels hotels than you do yeah. in in um sort of campus uh, venues yeah because generally if you're at a conference center any ordinary people who are around are there for their own conference and have their own shit to deal with. Yeah, they're, they're, <laughs> they're doing they're their own thing. They they don't care if they see like you know a, a ten foot tall armored fairy costume sort of wandering by. I mean, they might tell their friends about it in between their own events. And go, you'll never guess what I saw. But uh, <laughs> other than that, they don't really care. Yeah, or indeed Reaper in a pink maid's dress. That was that was that was a special. brilliant brilliant yep. costume. I loved that magical girl Reaper. Yeah. Did you did you have a particular favorite costume? Oh, there were a lot of good ones. Uh all the Brigitas, because Brigitta is fantastic. All of the Overwatchers in general, because I fucking love Overwatch. Um <laughs> a special shout out to Moisey at the formal ball because my ship. Uh yeah. special shout out to the formal attire Roadhog and Junkrat who were ballroom dancing. Oh, they were stunningly they were, good. They were brilliant. Um, some of the more impressive shit I saw was like, I mean, the guy I was stuck behind going up the stairs, I had a lot of time to admire his costume. I have no yes. idea what he was cosplaying, but he was doing it incredibly well. Excellent. Um, there was some incredible craftsmanship on show. There was a Zenyatta who was very cool. Uh, oh, I didn't, I didn't see a Zenyatta. Oh, yeah, man. he was, he was like, he missed it. Like there was the huge group Overwatch cosplay on the Sunday, but he'd done Zenyatta on the Saturday and I felt oh. really bad for him because it's like, oh, you could, they didn't have a Zenyatta. You could have fit in so well. Oh. Um, obviously my favorite cosplay of the weekend was a particular formal attire Harley Quinn. Yes. Yep. Uh, Zoe's own cosplay for the formal ball, which was stunning, uh, especially considering we, we had our own organizational issues with that one. Um, because convention goers can fuck these things up as well as people who run it. <laughs> um, what else did I see that was particularly noteworthy? Also, I've got to say, like, I, I had this really weird moment of like just like second guessing myself and like doing a double take every time I turned around. I think it was on the Saturday after it started raining when you all went out and got jackets. Yeah. Um, that uh, I'm going to copy this into the thing because every time I turned around, I saw Zoe with her her the, particularly her hair color. And the hoodie, I kept thinking I was seeing a, a cosplayer of uh, Chiaki from uh, Danganronpa. I'm just going to okay. put it into the, into the Twitch chat. I am not familiar with that, but I will click on it when you put it in the chat. I, I will not click on it. It's not clickable. But I will That's copy weird. and paste it. Oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> so I just kept, I kept seeing this hoodie and that, that hair color. I was like, oh, God. oh no, it's okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, yeah, that was an unintentional clo uh, closet cosplay. Yeah, so that's something she should look into in future, just saying. <laughs> uh, 
yeah, there, there was just so much overwhelmingly good cosplay. And I mean, part of my problem is I'm not as well versed in anime as a lot of the people at the convention. I'm there largely because it is a dangerously unprepared family thing. There are people I know yeah. there. The obviously the people on the committee as well, but Zach and Steph. Oh wait, shit, they're technically on the committee now. Um, yep, yeah. <laughs> uh, so. I can say, oh, there was this one guy in like a power suit that was sort of red and gold, and I don't know what the fuck he was from, but it had sort of insecty eyes, and it was amazing. Uh, I could have been like Kamen Rider, possibly. I don't know what that is, and that's the trouble. <laughs> it's like I saw some phenomenal cosplay, but I couldn't possibly tell you what I was seeing. Um, yeah, and I was yeah, as you said with like the the anime thing, I was like, I'm very very out of touch with the animes as well. Um, I mean, my, my thing is very much more um, uh, video games and stuff. And this is a very interesting, th- interesting thing about uh, the fan-run conventions is how you have different conventions with different um, philosophies on what they want to focus on. So the thing about Amicon is that it is... Something that the committee is very, very dedicated to is that it is an anime convention. It is it is specifically about anime. Like There'll be you know ga- video game cosplayers and whatnot. We'll have a games room. But the so main much so that is... Zoe almost um, double thought herself out of doing Harley because she's not anime. Yeah. So I was glad to see like so many Overwatch cosplayers and stuff. Absolutely. Because and that's because as like... I said to her, hey, she's animated. She's a step ahead of a lot of what you will see cosplayed. <laughs> exactly. And this is the thing is like we we'd never obviously we'd never say, oh no, you can't cosplay that within the realms of decency. Yeah. Um, well, yeah. And we, there were not... a few people who walked that line because it was very hot. Yes, uh, but I also mean in terms of like you know, there are certain things which are you, you don't you don't cosplay. No, uh, but uh, there yeah. were certainly some skimpy outfits on the first couple of days when the weather was in the like the 32, yeah. 33 degrees uh, area. One one of them in particular did actually email the committee and said, "This is the thing I'm planning on wearing. Is this going to be okay?" <laughs> um, and we were actually just had to have this little debate amongst ourselves. But we we're just like, "Yeah, no, that, that's that's fine. It doesn't it doesn't like." break any of the, the, the rules or anything, just keep in mind that there will be, you know, normies around. It's not technically indecent. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that's probably the best way of putting it. But I mean, things like, you know, certain military uniforms or certain historical yes, things. Yes, absolutely, because... Which, which I will say, we've. I don't believe we've ever had a problem with at a fan run, at, at an Amicon. Um, I mean, there are, obviously, because anime is anime, there are costumes that skirt the line that are still technically acceptable. Yeah. But then you see this the, the same thing in terms of uh, whenever you see Warhammer cosplay, yes, 40k, yeah. when you see commissars and stormtroopers, that can get pretty close to a line. Exactly, because they are based around something in particular, so it's yeah. just like, oh, yeah, okay. Um but yeah, like I said, luckily I don't think we've ever had that that issue. Um, then uh, what was, what was oh yes, so yeah, we're not gonna we're not gonna stop anyone from cosplaying something because it doesn't fit the um, the theme of Amicon, as it were. Um, but every every sort of convention has its own, um, I guess, like speciality. So like Amicon is very much it's the big anime convention. Minami is the sort of very cozy family convention. Tokenatsu is the 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 camping festival. Uh, Kitacon is very much based around parties and socializing, and and I'm not going to say like it's based around drinking, but it is very much based around <laughs> the, the parties. Yeah. Um, and then you've got other ones which focus more on sort of the video game side of things, or focus more on um, 
social media and all these, that and the other, they have their own specific focus. I'm very interested to see what Hibanicon's thing is because they're just, it's their second convention this year. So they're sort of, they may still just, be finding their thing. Yeah. I'm, I don't, I'm, it, it feels like it's patronizing for me to say they're finding their feet, but like second convention, you know, that they're, they're going to start to have this kind of theme start going around. They're going to start having their, their gimmick as it were. Cause I mean, in part that, that gimmick, that focus comes from your attendees. Yeah, absolutely. If you if you have a much younger uh, fan base, you're going to have probably a much more focus on socialising and on the parties. Um, if you have a much older fan base, you're going to have a much more quieter, cosier thing, maybe with a lot more interest in panels and uh, that sort of thing. Um, I mean, back in the day, this is this is something we don't have anymore: is um, viewing rooms. We, mm. we used to have video rooms. Uh, even five years ago, this is this was a thing: is that we'd just have a room set aside for people to sit down and just watch anime. It would just run for a certain number of time, a certain amount of time during the day, and it would just show a set list of anime. And that was great, because, I mean, that's how I that's how I first watched Bacano, which I would thoroughly recommend everyone goes and watches. It's, I think it, there was still a viewing room at Amechibi. I remember there, was, there being there one. There was a viewing room at Amechibi. It did not get used. <laughs> um, and there was a viewing room at the Amecon before that, uh, when we ran at Keel, and that did not get used, so we basically decided, look, no one, no one's using no it. No one's it's going. A room, it's a room we could use for something else. Yeah, that makes sense. And it, it's something you'll find in most most conventions, e- even even ones that do focus just on anime, like Ame, like Minami. Um, they just there's no point having a viewing room. I think Minami does still run one, but it's it's very very infrequently used. Um, and that's. I I don't know what the sort of reasoning is behind that, but it just seems that people don't go to a convention to watch. I I mean, it sounds a bit weird. People don't go to a convention to watch anime. I I can actually tell you a lot about that, not because I have any particular versing in anime, but because I have friends who do Mm. uh, and have been involved in running conventions in the States forever. Yeah. And I mean, the reason they exist is historical. It's a tradition because when fan-run anime conventions started, it was still in the dark days of fan-sub VHSs being traded in back alleys. Um, And it would literally be your only opportunity to see certain shows, was that this convention had a VHS set of this show with this sub, and that was your opportunity to see it. Uh, So you would make a a point of going and watching it, and... Mm. Obviously, as the internet came about and fan subs became easier to get hold of, and then as global distribution deals became more fluid and legal ways of getting hold of it with Crunchyroll and stuff coming up on Netflix, the need no longer exists. There isn't that, this is my one chance to see this show. But a lot of the people running these shows come from that history so they know I'm an anime con, I have a viewing room, that's that's what you do at an anime con and it takes a different amount of time for different conventions to go I have a viewing room that is empty Yeah, and that's like it's just, it's slowly died off and it, it, a part of me just goes, oh that's kind of sad that we've seen this thing, but another part of me goes, no things have changed It's it actually doesn't... a positive because it means yeah. people aren't crying out for opportunities to watch anime well, that's the thing. You'll still get people going, oh, but what, what happened to the viewing rooms? We, we want a viewing room. We want an anime viewing room. And then you, you, I guarantee we would put it in and no one would use it. Yeah, absolutely. In that case, you say, well, you've got a fucking hotel room. Go watch some anime. Yeah, exactly. It's just like... Because <laughs> it's only you that wants to watch it. 
And it, it feels bad to say because, again, we're an anime-focused convention and, yeah. and it's something we used to have, but it's just one of those things, times change and we gotta we got to move with the times. I mean, I wanted to watch Overwatch League because it was conflicting. So I did. I went to my yeah. room and I watched the Overwatch League and I watched the London Spitfire win the Overwatch League Grand Finals. Oh, they did? Oh, they oh, did, yes. They are the Overwatch League champions. Excellent. Well done, London. Fucking swept Philadelphia 3-0 in the second match. It was beautiful to watch. Ah, oh, fantastic. Also, when I say well done, London... I mean, they are all South Korean. Okay, cool. Are they actually based in South Korea? Or uh, Right, okay. So the Overwatch League, all the matches currently get played at the Overwatch Centre, which I think is in LA, apart right. from the Grand Finals, which were in the Barclays Centre in New York City. They want to expand it and eventually the goal is that the teams will have centers in their hometowns in inverted commas right so the shanghai dragons will be in shanghai the london spitfire will be in london the houston outlaws will be in houston and that you will have home and away games but that is an incredibly expensive thing to set up yeah it's uh, still expensive to set up one huge dedicated esports arena like the Overwatch Center. Uh, so they've done that for the first year, and I know they're hoping eventually to expand into home teams in home territories. But the London Spitfires will probably still be 100% South Korean, even when they're based in London. Cool. Okay. Because I believe the people who set up London Spitfire, because the teams are franchise teams like in major american sports leagues so there is an owner and an organizer who sort of sets it up and backs that team and the owner of the spitfire i believe decided the best way to put together a team was to buy a team and so went to the home of competitive esports uh and said, okay, let's look at the South Korean Overwatch League, see who's doing well there and who is receptive to a big money offer, and just bought <laughs> a team. So wow. you are now the London Spitfire, and it paid off. That's Yeah, it seemed to work. <laughs> cool, all right. So, that yeah, was off um, topic. It was, but that's, that's fine. Um, did you get a chance to meet our guests at all? I did. I got a oh, chance... Yes. Um, I didn't spend a lot of time talking to Jerry. I did run into him and say hi, shake his hand, because um, I believe he was being rushed from place to place at the time. Yes, as was often, as <laughs> as was was often, often the case. case. But, I mean, I uh, the cosplay guest whose name irritatingly uh, Leo, uh, escapes uh, me. But Marazzi cosplay. Yes. Uh, I met her more than once, uh, including at the cosplay ball, whilst yes. you were in company with her. Yes. Yes, and she was a charming, charming individual. She is so, so, so lovely. <laughs> she really they, they, was. Like all, all our guests here were absolutely phenomenal. And there, is, there are things I can't um, sort of talk about because they're to, to do with like, uh, like yeah, the obviously. administration of the convention. But I just gotta say they are far more lovely than I could even <laughs> describe. I, I think um, I enjoyed meeting her more and was glad she was the one I spent more time with because yeah. one, she's a cosplayer, and I know what cosplay is. And I can look at cosplay and go, that's good cosplay. And also she was cosplaying Little Witch Academia and Korra and things I knew and liked. Yeah. Uh, whereas Jerry, lovely guy. I don't know anything he's done. Yeah, that's true. That's true. You've not, you've not <laughs> so, watched... Uh, I've not watched Jerry on Ice. I, I had the most horrifying realisation when, when I was like looking through his um, IMDb page. 
And I was going, oh, okay, just in, just in case I need to like to, to bring anything up in discussion. And I was looking through all the anime and stuff that he's dubbed, and I was like, oh, he's, he was in Bacano, which is the show I mentioned earlier. And I'm like, oh, he, he cosplayed the Rail Tracer. That's that's a character I cosplayed <laughs> at, at Manami <laughs> last year, and then threw the costume away. Oh, no. Admittedly, because I could not have kept it anywhere, because funny, funny fact about like fake blood is that <laughs> When it dries, yes. it still it still leaves residual stains on things when yes. it touches them. Yeah. So uh, I I had to keep it in a plastic bag forever, <laughs> or just get rid of it. Yeah. It's like a very That's very fair. cheap cheap tan suit. No, the, the literally the most exposure I have to Yuri on Ice, and uh, this is the most exposure was one meeting him, uh, and two at the match game. Uh, oh, yes. I, I'm going to explain this one because this is something Kyrie did with uh, the party pirate. Yes. Um, who threatened to conscript me into his little social media army. <laughs> oh, sweet. Awesome. Uh, it was when he was briefing Zach and Steph, actually. And you were there. And I was there because I was hanging out with Zach and Steph. And yep. I was just casually mentioning that I was grumpy because this was Thursday. And he was giving them their badges because they were committee now. Yeah. And I was like, oh, I'm so jealous you don't have to go to registration. And Mark was like, these badges come with responsibility. And I will give you one, but you will work for me. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, dude, I've got my Zoom recorder here. I will do podcasts from Ame. That's not a problem, but it never went anywhere. It's fine. I escaped. Yeah. Um, shit, where was I? Yes. So he yes. and you were the contestants in the cosplay match game. Which is very much like blankety blank or cards against the human uh, cards against humanity. You have the fill in the word, and there is a panel of characters in costume in character, uh, providing their answers that the contestants have to match against. Now, I, I vaguely knew the concept walking in the room, but I was mostly there to see Kyrie and Mark. Um, sat down, and there at the end of the table was a Victor cosplayer, who I have to say was brilliant. Was amazing, just fucking at, amazing. At any possible opportunity, was just bending their leg into the most weird of angles. Well, yeah, I mean, I walked in and they had the one leg up over the edge of the table, lounging yeah. in the chair, incredibly. But I did not recognise the character, mm. so my immediate concern was I did not know that this was a character trait of the character they were portraying, as opposed to a character trait of the person portraying the character. Uh, so it took me longer than I am proud to admit to work out that they had just started in character from the moment I had walked in the room. Yeah, and and that's, that's a very interesting thing with um, doing skits and stuff uh, for omakes or for doing panels, if you're going to be in character for a panel, I find, is... Uh, this is something. Like, this is a bit of free advice here to anyone who's thinking of doing a panel or an omake where you're in character. Never assume, no matter how popular the show is that you're cosplaying from, never assume that like the majority, even the majority of people in the audience are familiar with the show yes. or the character. There's an old Stanley saying: "Every Spider-Man is someone's first Spider-Man." Yes. Oh, that's that's a really good saying. That is that is yeah, perfect. In the You've you've got to assume that you're going to you've got to make your comedy if it's a comedy. I mean, this is this is a very weird aside here, but like there's a there's a definite split between American conventions I've noticed and British conventions in that if you have an omake, most of them in an American thing will be based around uh, dance or song, 
or drama in some cases, which is quite interesting. Whereas in the UK, most of our skits seem to be very, very focused around comedy. Very much so. We love getting a laugh. Yeah. And it's, it's like, there's quite interesting things. So when I went to um, uh, KomoriCon over in, in uh, Portland last year, a lot of the stuff there was drama and there's like really, really beautifully acted and there was some really lovely singing. And there was one that started off, I think, it, we thought it was going to just be a song thing, but it ended up being a comedy thing, which was great. Um, which is basically just someone, uh, they said, they're, oh, they're going to be singing Let It Go from Frozen. And I felt really awkward because you could, <laughs> everyone, everyone in the audience went, oh, fuck. <laughs> and I felt really bad. So I'm like, guys, like the person can probably hear you from backstage. Also, like, right. I don't care how you feel about it. That's a challenging song. Yeah, right. And um, and the, and then uh, so everyone's like grumbling and everything like that. And uh, this this uh, this guy comes out and he's dressed as uh, Jack Frost from was it Rise of the Guardians or something. Oh yeah, yeah, I know the I one know, you mean. Yeah. Um, but in like this big long woolen uh, cloak, basically, and starts doing the song. And I'm like, oh, okay, cool, cool, cool. And as as he's singing just slowly brings out a bubble wand and it's just making these bubbles as he's doing his thing. And then just very, very gradually, I'm noticing someone in a black hoodie looking really, really, really fed up just wanders onto stage, plodding along behind him and just looks really put out as he just slowly reaches forward and takes the guy's um, woolen coat and just whoom, rips it away. And the guy's in this full Elsa dress underneath, <laughs> these flowing ribbons everywhere. And uh, just in time for the chorus, and he probably belts it out, this whole, let it go. And the guy picks up the ribbons and is just holding them and wafting them, <laughs> for, to be the, whilst constantly keeping this completely deadpan, fed up look on his face. I actually saw Moira do that for Mercy. They were doing a photo shoot and uh, Mercy's wings didn't self-extend. So Moira oh. was holding them up for her and looking a bit oh. grumpy about it. It was a really that's, fun shoot. That's wonderful. This, this is my point. It's like, uh, sorry, I've, I've, I've moved away from it. I've, I've, that was supposed to be a little aside. Um, yes. The th so you've got to assume nobody is familiar with the character. Nobody's yep. familiar with the show. Pick something about your character and either dial it up to 11 or make it an entry level bit of comedy that someone can look at and go, okay, I get that this character is blah. Which so in Victor yeah. did. Exactly. I will I absolutely hand it well. to Victor. They were dialed up to 11. I immediately got that it was a character. Yeah. It took me a little while to work out who, but uh, I very quickly worked out it was a character um, and, and sort of eased into that. I have to say, yeah. you were not hugely lucky with the panel on that one. No, I think I think two panelists didn't actually turn no, up. No, so they, got, two they got two people at the audience. Last minute replacements who yeah. were, you know, credit to them for taking part. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but yeah, I Victor was a standout in that one. Yeah, if if this had been if this had been a you know an episode of RuPaul that you know that the Victor would have won one snatch game. Was it Sakura Chan sat next to her? Yes. Yeah. I, their interplay together was beautiful. The because you because you had this sort of uh, terrible debauched uh, playboy Lothario. Uh, sitting next to innocent schoolgirl. Yes, and and also trying to defend her from even worse Playboy Lothario sat next on, on the other <laughs> oh, yes. side. Raven, yes. yes. <laughs> that that arrangement, the three panellists who were booked and scheduled for it, worked beautifully. That was great. <laughs> yeah. I think they were talking about something about Yuri being the, the, the term for, you know, yes. uh, a, a sort of... Uh, Fem slash, yep. shall we say? Yeah, let's, yeah. let's put it that way. Yeah. That's delicate. That's a good way to put it. 
Um, and obviously you have a character from Yuri on yes. Ice, which is about a character called Yuri. Um, and it's just all this sort of confusion that, that around all of that. And it, I, I was amazed by just the, the uh, fluidity of just suddenly him just going, oh, I have plenty of Yuri on my phone and just taking the phone out and just, <laughs> <laughs> there is me and Yuri. Yep. Uh, yeah. Also the reference to the good Yuri. Yes, not the bad Yuri. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, like even in sort of panels where you go, oh, I don't quite know what's going on. Like it, there's some great stuff there. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm glad you got a chance to sort of to, to meet our guests and come to a lot of panels and especially panels I was in because they were clearly the best. Obviously. Absolutely. Um, what, what was your standout moment of the convention? Honestly, uh, Nathan running a game is hard to top. That guy cool. is an entertainer. Uh, although I will say, in terms of event I attended that most exceeded my expectation going in, that would actually be Rowan set. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. I, and I mean, partly that's down to the fact that she was actually really good at what she was doing, which was great. Yeah. I and will tell I her I knew this. that was not something she had a huge amount of experience in, so very this, proud of this, her for going at her, it. This was her first time actually DJing rather than making a set list. Yeah, and it went really well. Uh, Excellent. But also partly, and this obviously isn't directly down to her, but obviously she was choosing which tracks, uh, the music was, like I said, complete K-pop neophyte. I did not know what to expect. It was yep. not what I expected, and I liked it a lot more than I was expecting. And, you know, just tell her to share the set list with me. Oh, absolutely. absolutely. <laughs> and I'm gonna, I'm probably going to, like, bombard you with Dreamcatcher at some point. Cool. Yeah, it works for me. Excellent. Um, what about you? Yeah, what was I'm... your standout moment as someone who was helping run the damn thing? I... I am incre my incredibly biased answer because it's the same answer I give for every convention. Uh, it's the charity auction. I, I always adore doing the charity auction. Like my my the defining moment for me at a convention now is is Rowan asking me, "Could you help with the convention? Could you run the charity auction? Could you well not run? Uh, could you MC the, the charity auction?" Yeah, um, the actual hard work is done by everyone else backstage. <laughs> uh, I just yell at people, um, and that. That was at uh, Chibi, so that was 2015. Um, yeah, sounds about right. So I, that was that was even that was two and a half years before I'd even joined the committee. Um, so that was definitely a turning point, and and I've always loved being in the audience for a charity auction. Um, I just I love some of the weird weird stuff that comes out, what, in, such in as those someone things. bidding to tear the spirit gun moustache from your face. I very specifically did not wear a moustache. No, I this noticed year. that. Yeah, and and I in turn did not bid to hurt you. Exactly, <laughs> I it was hurting myself. I was wearing those fucking heels for sixteen hours. Yeah, that's a long ass time to be wearing heels like that. I'm I'm not gonna lie. It, that was Sunday. It is currently Wednesday, and I still can't feel whether the floor is even or not when I walk on it. Yeah, I, I believe you. <laughs> so I'm gonna have to just keep wearing increasingly higher and higher heels until I get used to it. <laughs> I think that's how that's supposed to work. Uh, you know, um, that's sort of how it works. Yeah. So, I mean, the charity auction is probably my biased answer, but I weirdly, I'm going to have to say, and it's not even a proper panel, but the feedback panel um, at the end of the con, after the closing ceremony, because I went in there expecting uh, bile and hatred and, and to have animal organs thrown at me. Because you had come up against quite a lot of challenges as a committee to make this one run well. 
Yeah, um, and there was a lot. People were not shy on social media of telling us that they were unhappy with the way things were being done. Um, and in some cases, they had incredibly valid complaints, and in other cases, people were just being grumpy. <laughs> uh, I'm not again. I'm not, not going to say who and what because it's completely pointless at this to, to say. Um, but basically, the feedback panel was incredible because people were giving like very very well thought out feedback. Um, some people like they actually took time to compliment us on what worked, um, and so that we could make sure we did it again, basically. And when we had um, an incident of uh, someone basically saying, uh, with regards to the social media posts, someone um, said that, oh, oh, if people are, this is someone in the audience rather than someone on the committee, I'll say, uh, they, they basically said, you guys have done fantastically well with, with what you've, you know, the hurdles you've had to jump through. Um, you should feel very proud of that. And any, anyone who complains, you know, anyone who's just complaining about it, needs to like shut up and, and try and run their own convention and see how it works. And there was like a massive cheer throughout the audience. I noticed there was like a very, there was a long line of people in the middle that were not making any noise, <laughs> not clapping. And I was like, okay, okay. So I had to interject to go, I, I technically agree with you because this is my first year helping run a convention. So I have noticed so many things that I would not have seen as an attendee that are difficulties for a convention that I would not have known about before being in the committee. Um, so yeah, if you try and run a convention, you will very quickly find out there's a whole lot of problems there. Um, but, but at the same time, it is the committee's job to run the convention and for yeah. an attendee as an attendee. Exactly, and and this is the thing. And so I was trying to sort of placate people and saying, look, uh, for the saying like, if you have a complaint, you absolutely have to raise it. And we 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 will do everything we can to to fix that. Then sort of saying the the. Um, we just, I basically was like, I don't want people to think that when something goes wrong and doesn't end up getting fixed, that the reason behind that is that the people running the convention don't care or that they didn't want to do anything about it or, you know, this, and the, I don't want people thinking that or that we're just literally just sitting there with our thumbs up our rectums. Um, if there is a, if there is a problem at a convention, which has not been fixed, you can absolutely guarantee that every single member of that committee has spent very, 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 very many sleepless nights trying to get it fixed mm. because we absolutely want this to be the best convention. We want people to go to another convention. And like, as much as we love all the other conventions, we also all go to them. We want people to go to another convention and go, it's good, but it's not quite as good as Amicom. <laughs> I, like in the nicest possible way. Like, or, we want people to look at least, this favorably. Uh, speaking as someone for whom this is the experience, run into mm. the point where someone says, "You know what? This isn't quite my scene, but it's fun enough. I'm yeah. coming back." Fantastic. Because yeah. that's me. I mean, I went to MAGB because yeah. it was a smaller event that a lot of my friends were going for, just in a hotel, have a laugh, and I was like, yeah. "Oh, this was fun. When's the next one?" Excellent. And then and, I and came to the came next back. one. And I will and be at the next one. There you go. Uh, 2020. Keep your eyes open. Um, oh, that'd be a good... Yeah, 2020. Keep your eyes open. Yeah, that's... Ooh, I might... I'm, I'm writing that one down. Sorry. <laughs> um, basically, yeah. So just, if, you ever, if you're ever going to a convention and something doesn't quite work out, just please, by all means, bring up any complaints you have and please let people know because nothing's going to get done if you haven't raised it. Yeah, good comment. Um, but at the same time, ne never assume that the committee is just sitting there counting up that that sweet, sweet anime convention money. 
No, that don't, don't exist. exist. <laughs> Although, like, it's not that I want to stir anything here or cause oh, any drama. Please, please But do. I did ask you what your highlight of the weekend that contained the surprise birthday for the woman you loved was, and you said, either the we- charity auction or the feedback paddle, you monster. <laughs> We didn't do anything for Rowan's birthday because she was very, very busy and I was very, very busy. You did, I was so, there. Oh, we had the, like, the, the little <laughs> party, party. thing. That, that lasted all of like 10 minutes. I know. I just, I like, I do like stirring shit. I was lying. <laughs> and it was lovely. It was lovely. And I ate Ami Chan's eye. Oh, God, that's weird. That you stabbed. I, I did. <laughs> I, I I cut the cake. Ami Chan, for people who have no idea what we're talking about, this we did not stab a woman in the eye. Ami Chan is the the mascot of Ami Con, the the idol, the cartoon character, and yep. uh, there was a birthday cake printed with Ami Chan's face on it, which was pretty cool, I have to say. And come the cutting of the cake, Kyrie stabbed it in the eye, and yeah, then I, I ate did. the eye. It, it was a tasty eye. That, that was a nice tasty cake. And Ami Chan is beloved of the con goers because this is I love the charity auction as well. Uh partly because it is a really fun event, and partly because I love watching people lose their fucking minds bidding on all of the con badge artwork. Yeah, like oh my god, when I when I had to start bidding it off, I started talking, and before I could even start the summation of what the item was, I just heard this voice from the side of the room just go. 120! Like, the gophers bid on that, so every year. It's hilarious. Um, yeah, and I love that we had the three gophers that were, were in charge of taking the <laughs> items around the crowd. Just got into a corner and started pooling, pooling their, their money. money. <laughs> One of them went past me, past the item table, and just threw down a wallet when there's 120 pounds oh. in there. And I, I had to stop and just go, let me just check, is, is, is your bid 120 pounds and that's why you're throwing this money down in an envelope that's unmarked. This was my favourite moment of that charity auction. So this guy who is a gopher, who that is a volunteer who helps run the convention. They do the fetching, the carrying, the running, the messaging, all of that sort of stuff. Yeah. Um, and we could not run without them. They are essential if, if you're people. Listening to, if you are listening to this, our wonderful, wonderful gophers, thank you so much. Yeah, it's, it's a fairly dismissive name for what is actually a completely vital part of running a convention. They are, they are absolutely our lifeblood. And he, yeah, he did, uh, as you said, just threw down an envelope with 120 quid on the table. And like every time someone in the audience raised the bid, he would just pull more money out of his pocket and add it to the pile. <laughs> it was hilarious. I love that guy. It's, it's a shame he didn't win the. Uh, yeah, he had got outbid. Which, but also, what a brilliant way of driving that bid up. <laughs> absolutely, yeah. My cat is going insane. One second. He really is absolutely. What's up? I love you, but shut your face. This is not helping. <laughs> I've no idea what's up with him. Um, but I think he's suggesting that we've been going for like an hour and 40 minutes and maybe it's time to wrap up the podcast and pay attention to our pets and loved ones. Yeah. All I, all I can say <laughs> <Shush>. is... <laughs> If you are <laughs> stop interrupting me, Katie. <laughs> if you are in the market to attend an anime convention in 2020, perhaps you'd like to think of. <laughs> perhaps you would like to think of Amicon. And if you are in the market to attend a summer convention in 2019, oh well. Uh, Tokenatsu.
No, that's true. But that's a festival. That's true. Yeah. But you should certainly go to it anyway. Do you know what? I am tempted. I, I'm going to go. I'm going next year. Right. I think I need to see to this cat. Yes. You absolutely <laughs> should. Yes. So uh, you have been listening to Dangerously Unprepared. I have been Simon. Uh, I have been Kyrie. Thank you for joining us and goodbye. Goodbye.